All right, welcome to Real Facts, Bro Facts, uh, the show where we talk about things going on in the real world, trying to use our honest, true opinions supported by as many facts as we can. I'm Brandon Lopez. I'm Isaac Esquivel. And we'll be your hosts for today. So, here on Real Facts, Bro Facts, we're going to talk about at least maybe three, four topics every week or every episode. Uh, just kind of give you the insight on what's going on in with these certain topics and just our feelings and opinions on them, but also factual, because facts don't care about your feelings, as the great Benjamin Shapiro once said. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be going over serious and controversial topics, as well as just movie reviews and meme reviews. And again, we're going to be giving our opinion on, on all the sides, but uh, they'll be supported by facts also. So this week, we're going to talk about uh, three different topics. We're going to talk about the meme life cycle and how the meme economy is in a very low point right now. Uh, we're going to talk about shit bowlers and some new Denver laws that just passed revolving, involving squatters and homeless people like that. So the first one is the meme cycle. So Isaac, why don't you tell us about what the meme cycle is and how that works. So the meme cycle is the lifespan of a meme and how fast it dies out. And uh, once a new meme format, uh, you know, comes up, uh, everyone just immediately gets on it and starts posting it back to back. You see it constantly back to back on all these different accounts, and you see it like four times within a minute. And sometimes they're really good and funny, but then they just die out really quick, and then they just overused. Exactly. The problem with the meme cycle is inflation and. Uh, Overshareation of each new meme that appears, as if we can only, as a race, seem to create one meme at a time now. I notice this most frequently when scrolling through sites like Instagram and Facebook, which are some of the most basic platforms to find memes on. Once a new meme format appears and it begins to blow up on a few small pages, next thing you know it, every single page is posting it all over the site. And it's not, it's not just the same meme over and over. It's the same photo with new captions, slightly altered captions, and just all around the same exact message in each meme. Mm -hmm. And it just gets worn out. It gets tired really fast. Yeah, like Shaggy, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, the first couple times you see it, it's like really great. You're like, how do you mean? And this is really funny and all that. But then uh, when the, with the first format, too, everyone just started posting it right away. And then... Um, they just killed it. Mm -hmm. Like that—that's all you'd see throughout your whole feed. Uh, some formats were good and um, new and unique, but then they just kept getting reused over and over within the same day, even, and just got really annoying. And it's really sad because, like, I see these like new memes sometimes, and like the first time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's really clever and funny. Like, I really like this meme format. But next thing I know, like I said, it's everywhere. It's like every other meme for me. And it's just really depressing. It's like if you were in that situation where you're forced to wake up and eat the same meal every single day. So like, for example, if you really like spaghetti, you have to eat spaghetti for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And like, you get sick of spaghetti really, really fast because there's only so much you can do with spaghetti. And it's kind of like that with memes. We used to live in a time where memes would last for weeks, sometimes even months. But now, it seems a meme will come and go within the blink of an eye. It's like a hit and miss. One moment it's trending, and the next moment, as soon as you post it, it's already died and we're moving on. 
Yeah, like I would say the shortest lifespan of a meme would be a day, and the longest would be a month at, at max. Mm-hmm. And even then, that's super rare. Like only like super kind of edgy underground memes are the ones that will get uh, as far as they do with like a month long span, where like ones that normies can't really post because they, they don't understand the like hidden jokes within. And even that month is like stretched. Mm-hmm. Very stretched. And for those of you watching, I'm gonna demonstrate right now what the meme cycle is. So, right here, you start with the meme. <laughs> and it's funny at first, and this is like the original creator of the birth, the womb of it. Well, that gets sent out into the world right here, into the digital stream like this. You see that? Good. And this gets spread to all these other platforms, and it's being mobilized and shared to all these different areas. And then eventually, it just does that over and over and over, like mitosis. But except it happens at such an incredible growth rate that it can't be controlled and contained, and it spreads way too fast, eventually eradicating itself. And back to the regular section. Oh, actually, let's not forget to thank our sponsor, Fruity Pebbles. Enjoying a nice, delicious bowl right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Sure do love those, that fruity pop in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Some of my current fa- uh, trending memes that I've seen are um, the combining captions ones, where we have, like, the wait, that's illegal Halo meme. Well, yes, but actually no pirate meme and the outstanding move chess meme. I see these everywhere, you know, it'll be like student uh, flips the script and like makes teacher give them a hundred on accident and it's like outstanding move and it's like the guy in front of the chessboard. Mm-hmm. Or it's like some weird like forbidden Lego uh, technique and underneath is like the photo of the Halo guy and it says, wait, that's illegal. Or, you know, with like, for example, like transgender people where it's like oh I'm a transgender and it's like oh so you're a boy and then it's like the pirate and it's like well yes but actually no (laughs) those are really funny well I've started to see these evolve recently into a point where it'll be like something happens such as again like an illegal lego technique or like using a different math uh like using a different pathway to solve like a really hard math equation and so it'll be like a combination of these captions where it's like outstanding move but actually that's legal and it's like I think that's really funny and really trendy and fortunately this is one of those memes that I'm not seeing blow up everywhere but it's definitely appearing in quite a bit of places and it's definitely not a normie meme which is good now too mm-hmm. it's like at least a tier 2 meme where you require a little bit of extra internet intelligence to be able to understand it yeah, you gotta be fairly cultured. Mm-hmm. Unlike certain memes such as doing it to them, which will probably outlive all of us. That's the, probably one of the only memes that will ever survive. But at this point, it's 2019. If you don't understand the doing it to a meme, you most likely never will. Mm-hmm. At least to the degree that some of us do. Moving on to our next segment... Shit bowlers. I'm not talking about like someone that takes like a like a big pile of shit and send it down the lane, because that'd be really gross, and I don't really want to see that. 
I'm talking about people that take goddamn forever when they're at the bowling lane. Like, it doesn't even have to be like, uh, you know, like, it can be like a minute or whatever. And like, that's understandable because sometimes you have to like sit there and like figure out like which way to throw the ball to like get it to hit the right pins and stuff. But, no, I'm talking about people that will stand there for what feels like five minutes sometimes. Like, it, it might not always be exactly five minutes, but it's quite a bit of time. And they just stand there, and they stare at the lane. And sometimes they don't even have their ball in their hand yet. They're just standing at the edge of the lane, just looking at the pins. And they finally pick up the ball, and then they stand there, and they look at the lane. And then they send the ball, and they get two pins. What were you doing that entire time? You were just sitting there, just watching the pins, just like admiring them, be like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely not gonna hit any of those. It's just rather infuriating to someone that doesn't take his time, but also like doesn't take forever to like send a ball, you know. You when you send it straight to the gutter, that's the funniest thing. <laughs> Cause they drop it with so much confidence. Mm-hmm. Another thing too is those people with like the worst or weirdest form. It's like bowling form is super easy. You take like four steps and you end up on your like reciprocating foot. So it's like if you bowl right-handed, you're, you leave off on your left foot. If you bowl left-handed, you bowl with your right foot. So, and then you get those people who take like 10 stutter steps and, and leave off like right hand and right foot or just, you see all these weird combinations. Some of them just like Yeet it from like where they got the ball. Others actually go right up to the line and almost like <laughs> just like fall into the lane basically. And it's like, what are you doing? It's such a simple, easy thing. Like, mm-hmm. and bowling form uh, is actually very like key to like having like a good game too. Because if you don't have good form, you lo- you most likely won't get good scores. It's so, like for example, if you just kind of like trot up to the lane all lazily and you just drop the ball right there. Nine out of ten times it's gonna either go straight for the gutter or only get you like one or two pins. There's like that weird ten out of ten time where like you get a strike somehow for some reason by an act of God or whatnot, but that's like a very rare occasion. It's honestly really weird and annoying when like someone has like the worst form and somehow gets a strike. But it's also just as annoying too when like someone with like terrible form like, someone who just goes up to the line and drops it, and they mess everything up, and they get super frustrated. It's like, well, if he didn't have terrible form, then, you know, he'd actually do better. Oh, I can't believe that I just totally missed that. You've done that yourself! <laughs> yeah. Honestly, some of, the, like, my funniest uh, things that I've seen bowling, though, are, like, people, especially who, like, stand on, like, the same foot as, like, their hand will like go up and then they'll like slip in the lane and like sometimes they'll slip over the foul line and slide into the like the lane which is really funny because how do you manage that how do you manage to go from standing all the way back and sliding out to like where the arrows are which are rather far out they're like 10 15 feet out there or of course the other hand where you do go up to the line and you send it and it might be good it might be bad but you just slip and fall right there. And next thing we know, everyone's looking at you while you're just sitting there at the beginning of the lane, just wondering what happened. And it's 
it's embarrassing for everybody in, in the situation. It's embarrassing for the people who are watching you. It's embarrassing for you especially for being the one sitting on the floor. And it's just, it's embarrassing for the people that own the bowling alley because, like, you know, weird and, like, shit bowlers, you know, make the bowling alley look bad. Which is, like, it's okay if you're, like, you know, a newbie bowler and stuff like that. But if I've, like, seen you, like, every time I've gone to the bowling alley, I'd expect you to have, like, at least some skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing, in my opinion, is the spin move technique that you see most bowlers do, especially in pro bowling, where they will take the ball and they'll usually cup it in one hand. Sometimes they have like their fingers like right on the hole, mm-hmm. and when they drop the ball, they like kind of rip back out backwards on it so that it'll curve out to one side and curve into the pins, typically resulting in like a high level score, like a nines or a strike. But so many times, I've seen this technique fail. It's a very high-risk, high-reward type of uh, throw. But unfortunately, most people that I see do it will either end up sending it out too far to where it'll curve just slightly over the gutter line and fall in, or it'll curve out not enough, and it'll end up curving back the other way to get less pins than what was desired. Yeah, and sometimes it curves in front of the pins and misses everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like... I mean, I guess it kind of looks cool sometimes because it's like, whoa. But, like, I mean, you get the same results too with bowling straight. Like, if you can get a turkey bowling straight and a turkey by curving it and, like, you can get nothing more than a strike, then there's almost really no point to do that besides flare and just... I'm looking cool, I guess, and knowing, and just proving I know how to do a certain technique. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, sometimes I wish I could curve because, you know, why not? But other times, it's like, it's not even a big deal, like, you know, same results anyway. And, like, most people who use it, again, are even average bowlers. They just know how to spin it decently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, there is a saying where it's like, to each his own, which means every person uh, has their own preferences and like their own way of bowling. And so yeah, so like most people do feel more comfortable um, curving the ball just because that's maybe how they were like taught to do it. But like me personally, I was never really taught how to bowl. I kind of had to like teach myself. Um, But the like single like the regular straight send that you see like most just regular people do has always just worked out really well for me just being able to just go up and from my side just send it straight down the middle almost every single time because mm-hmm. i'll usually end up yielding more pins out of a single straight arm throw than i would see some of these curved people taking the high risk road because it's either i send it straight and i get like every single pin or I don't send it straight, and I get still quite a bit of pins. Whereas, you either curve it, and you get it perfectly, or you curve it, and you get nothing. And that's, like, not worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but back to, like, the actual issue is people that just take forever uh, when they're at the lanes. A typical bowling game, if it's, like, say, a 3v3, should take 
sometime between uh, 30 or no, uh, 15, 20 minutes at the most, you know, for like one solid game. That's each person doing like one frame at a time, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you do like cross-lane bowling, so it's like two people going at the same time. But there are those people on like each certain team. Oh, there's always going to be at least one who will like literally stand there and just like hold their ball and just like watch the lane. And I don't know what they're doing during that time. Maybe they're contemplating like their meaning and place in the universe and like why they exist. Or maybe they're just thinking about what kind of pizza they're going to go have for lunch. Either way, they stand there and they take way too long. And by the time they send the ball, they've probably forgotten about what technique they were going to actually use and end up missing completely, wasting everyone's time, especially if it's a situation where everyone else has gone and we're waiting for this one person to go so we can keep the game moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But... Overall, bowling is fun for everybody, and I'm not saying if you're like a slow bowler, then like get the hell out. I'm just saying, you know, people should learn to have fun while doing it, but also learn that it's okay to like t uh, go faster, you know, not to like, like take your time, but don't take <laughs> everyone's time. Take your time, but hurry up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Moving on to our last topic for the day. This is an actual news political article. My sweet grandmother was kind enough to print off and copy for me so I could actually read it here. What a sweet woman. So this is from the Gazette's viewpoint. Uh, this, the article is called Denver Measure Threatens to Threatens State with Right to Squat. So basically, I don't know if you, uh, if you keep up with the news, especially Colorado, Denver news, You've probably heard about the right to survive bill that's trying to get passed. Now, to most people, they might not actually know what this is, so of course they're going to vote for it anyway, because why would you vote against the right to survive? That sounds awfully barbaric. But essentially what the right to survive thing is, is uh, not necessarily aiding homeless people, but it has to do with like these the increasing amount of like homeless people and like panhandlers and stuff like that that you see everywhere around the streets. And it would essentially open up, like, all these areas that they weren't allowed to be before, like, to camp overnight and stuff. And, yeah, essentially, it's, like, squatting's uh, area. Yeah, and they're, you know, protected to squat wherever, like, maybe not in your front yard, but literally right outside your front yard on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And it's like, can you imagine, like, your whole block... And neighborhood is just infested with homeless people living on your sidewalk right outside your house. Like you basically can't pull out of your driveway, and like every you, know, you just see homeless people literally everywhere. Like that's not on private property. And this is bad and like kind of harmful for not only residents in like in the city. And this is currently only up in Denver. It hasn't really spread to anywhere else yet. But you know that if this really gets traction, it'll end up spreading to other cities too. But like in Denver, like it's like a harm in a way to these homeless people, but also to like uh, business owners and like tourists and just people that also like live in the city. Because for example, the law would protect individuals, groups of groups or families to live in vehicles on streets in front of 
nearly any Denver businesses and or homes if the vehicle is legally parked and a car can serve a legal residence in perpetuity. Because according to Colorado law, the car is an extension of your home, um, technically, and like property. So you could live in your car as long as you move it every, you know, three days or whatever, because it has to be moved every uh, 72 hours. But essentially that means like, um, if you're, like, let's say you're on the way to like your therapy appointment, because, you know, you have to go to therapy. No, that's okay. But you're on your way there, and you notice like in front of your therapist's office are all these tents and cars and stuff just chilling like in the street and sidewalk and stuff. You're like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Is there like some big event happening around here? No, that's just the newest uh, homeless camp. And like that could be a problem because certain people maybe feel intimidated by like these large groups of people because I'm not saying like homeless people are bad, but like, you know, sometimes people are dangerous, especially when they're in need and like they'll kind of do like the whatever it takes to survive type of thing. But also, it's like a nuisance because they're kind of in the way of you getting in uh, to where you need to go. And it's like, you don't want to like be a dick and be like, hey, you guys need to get the hell out. But like, you know, you're trying to like get to your appointment because you, but you can't because everyone's blocking the door. And that's bad for the business too because now they're losing money and they're losing business. And of course, the other side of that is it's dangerous for these um, squatters and homeless people because people uh, people are mean and don't take very kindly to you know homeless people just being kind of anywhere they want and so often this can lead to like violence and uh, acts of aggression towards these people like it might not even be direct physical violence because then those people could be charged with assault but it could be stuff like you know just constant like name calling and beration and like people that will like drive by them and like throw their trash out the window at them and just stuff like that and that's like not very nice to do to because you know they're already down on their luck don't kick them while they're down but like at the same time uh i understand the need to like tell someone like when they're being annoying and like when they're being like in your way and that's essentially what this um that's essentially what this law is doing is allowing these people to stay in public parks and on the streets and pretty much almost anywhere they can. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of interesting too because I remember maybe a year or so ago they passed a law in Colorado and I know it's like uh, I know that like a lot of areas of Colorado they passed the like don't stand on the median law where it's like those medians where they like you usually see panhandlers with the signs where it's like you know anything helps god bless stuff like that well they pass laws where like in certain areas of the city where they get like x amount of like foot traffic and x amount of car traffic that like the those people that stand on those medians can like get in big boy trouble for that they can be fined or taken away and stuff like that and I think it's kind of funny that, like, you're going to find someone that's sitting there panhandling. Because, like, you know, from what I hear, like, most of them do make, like, hella money. Because, you know, they'll make, like, thousands of dollars a year untaxed, which is, like, more than, like, what, you know. So it's, like, someone that makes 60000 a year panhandling is technically making more than someone who makes 60000 a year working a 9-to-5 job because of taxes and stuff like that. But I think it's funny, like, you're 
charging someone who's panhandling. Like, they're already probably poor and, like, down on their luck, and now you're going to charge them. But I think this is, like, this uh, right-to-live law is interesting because um, uh, it kind of almost contradicts, in a way, like, the whole median thing where it's, like, yeah, you can't stand on the median. Oh, but you want to camp on that sidewalk? Yeah, that's totally cool. But let's see here. Right here, it says, the law will not protect only those residents who establish themselves in parks or on laws or government buildings. Most residential neighborhoods have strips of land between sidewalks and streets that belong to the public. Those areas and others, like think of grassy medians in the center of traffic parkways, like I said, will become protected space for whomever sets down a tent, tar, paper, shanty box, or sleeping bag. And, of course, this law will protect uh, those who set up house and home on a sidewalk assuming they do so in a non-obstructive manner. So basically, yeah, like, between the driveway and the street, that strip of sidewalk is owned by the city. So they could totally park right there, but as long as, like, they're not in the way of your car. It's like at my house, how I have, like, the three-car space, or, like, my car, and then, like, my mom's car, and then, like, the extra car. Well, if they parked behind the extra car that we're not using, we technically can't, like yell at them or anything because they're in a non-obstructive manner because that car isn't being moved. Whereas if they parked directly behind where like my mom would pull out every single day, then that would be a problem. Mm -hmm. But I think it's funny because yeah, it's unlawful to stand on medians and like I see that on like certain street signs, mostly on like busier streets obviously. But then like here it's like yeah, you could stay on a wide grassy median if you really wanted to. Yeah, well, I agree with everything you say, and that's basically what I was going to say, so I think we, uh, we covered it pretty nicely, and that's about it for that topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, I don't hate homeless people. Right, yeah. But like, I understand the eyesore thing, where it's like, mm -hmm. they're not very pleasant to look at, but... Yeah, again, I don't hate them either, whatever, and like, you know, if, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, that's too bad that you have to live in that situation but like yeah because no one chooses to be homeless right so it's like you know it, you know it's too bad they have to live in that situation but at the same time you shouldn't be able to like literally just camp out wherever including in front of someone's house and and just making like your homeless camp in front of a business and stuff mm -hmm. all right well i think we've covered everything right yeah. So um, tune in next week because we'll definitely go over um, our thoughts on the LGBT community and um, the N word. And if we have extra time, we'll go over a third topic. Um, so yeah, just remember be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. <laughs>